and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. A man without ethics is a wild beast loosed upon this world, said Albert Camus, writer, novelist and goalkeeper. Bay Lop was an officer of the Viet Cong in the rank of captain who was executed in Saigon during the Tet Offensive in the Vietnam War. When the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese forces launched a massive surprise attack, before being captured, Lem had allegedly murdered South Vietnamese officer Nguyen Tuan, as well as six members of Tuan's family. Lem was brought to South Vietnamese general Nguyen Ngoc Lon, who then immediately shot and killed him in the street. The event was witnessed and recorded by a cameraman for NBC television and Eddie Adams, the photographer, for Associated Press. The photograph and film became famous images in contemporary American journalism and won Adams the 1969 Pulitzer Prize for Spot News Photography. Recently online, a photographer pointed out that the Eddie Adams estate was selling a print of this event for $1,500. The image is titled Saigon Execution. Now, what this made me think about was the ethics and the responsibility of the photographer, not only in making the image, but in selling the print. There seemed to be a lot of kickback to comments uh, being made by photographers that this was not appropriate. The kickback seemed to be coming from people saying, well, you know, this is a historical print. It's of historical importance and therefore it should not be forgotten. I think what those people were forgetting, missing out or not understanding was the reality of what we were talking about with the sale of a print. We're not talking about cancelling history here. We're not talking about the responsibility of the photographer in making the image. We're also not talking about the historical uh, importance of that image, of studying that image, of studying the, the ethical questions that the image presents us with as image makers. If you're my age, and I'm in my I'm in my fifties, I should say. Well, you know, you grew up with that image. You knew that image. If you're studying photojournalism at any uh, university or art college, I would hope that you would look at that image and also at the um, film clip, which uh, was created at the same point. A great place to see that is in Ken Burns's awesome uh, series on the Vietnam War, which actually provides a huge amount of context to that image also. But I digress. What we're really talking about here, I think, is the sale of a print and the photographer's responsibility in selling that image, not in the making of that image, not necessarily in the sharing of that image, but in the selling of that image. Now, you may also come back at me and say, well, a photographer should be allowed to make money from their work. I would completely agree with you. However, 
I'm sure Eddie Adams, who who uh, founded a fantastic uh, workshop uh, where in an educational initiative, who is a very well-respected uh, photographer, photojournalist. There's no issue with his archive containing many other images that could be sold instead of this one. But of course, this is the big seller because it is that iconic image. Now, the problem, of course, for me with this is not, as I keep saying, with the photographer. It's with the purchaser. And the question I'm going to set at this point is why would somebody want to own that image? I certainly wouldn't want to own it, frame it and put it up in my house. It reminded me of a story that a photographic collector in New York once told me that they had a print of the incredibly distressing image, Falling Man from the 9-11 attack. And they had a print of this on their wall and he was interested in the uh, effect it had on people who came round to dinner in his Manhattan apartment. For me, this is absolutely wrong in every single way. So the question has to be, if you're going to buy this Eddie Adams image, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to be completist because it's going to be part of your collection and you're going to put it into a drawer and maybe show it to people occasionally? Are you going to frame it and have it on the wall as some form of decoration? For me, none of these things are appropriate. And I suppose in a way, what we're talking about is the photographer taking responsibility for not making that image available in the first place. There's nothing to stop somebody taking it from online, doing a print for themselves, and they can make their own print out. But what we're also talking about here is a large figure attached to a man's death. It also made me think immediately of that man's family, whether he'd he'd actually um, performed the atrocity or not. Obviously, we cannot be sure. But he would have had family. He would, by now, have children and grandchildren. And they have to see the death of their father or their uncle uh, being sold for large amounts of money. So I think as photographers, we need to think about what we're selling and why we're selling it and why somebody would want to buy it before we put the price tag on it. This week, we welcome to the podcast Cecilia DePaolo to explain to us what photography means to her in under five minutes. Cecilia is a London-based artist originating from Italy who studied photography at the Arts University Bournemouth. De Paolo's body of work, primarily realised through photography, film and performance, explores and deconstructs cultural notions of intimacy, tenderness and love through a dystopian lens. Perhaps more simply understood as a visual exploration of the relationship between humans and objects. At the heart of Cecilia's work is the intensely human pursuit of connection, a reimagined line between artwork and audience, reaching out and inviting you to affix yourself with the work, fulfilled through the tactility of her self-portraiture and still life. To me, photography means language. It's almost like writing or talking. I've always struggled to share my views and my thoughts through words. So I think images are really the best way for me to share with the audience what I see. My deep interest is in creating an image that doesn't exist yet. So not just 
documenting what's around me but really putting up a show almost like a theater and that image will have a story behind it that can be my story or whatever the audience can see in it photography really lets me express myself i am quite of an introvert person and maybe some insecurities come out when trying to speak or just describe what I want and with an image and photography that all goes away so I believe my final answer is what does photography mean to me it's absolutely my language and I think it also means boldness that's what it allows me to be Thank you very much for your contribution this week, Cecilia. Uh, If you're not aware of her work, as always, I highly recommend that you check out her website and the link to that and her work is on the page where this podcast is posted at theunitednationsofphotography.com. There can be no doubt that we are aware of fake news. In the times in which we live politically, the idea of trusting anybody seems to have gone completely and utterly out of the window. But the discussions around whether or not a photograph is true, the truth to do with photography, have been going on for a long time. But of course, with computational photography, and certainly with work by photographers such as Jonas Bendixson, the lines between truth and reality, the fake and the real, have certainly been blurred. So it was interesting recently that I saw a little article, a very short article, um, which was uh, about the Content Authenticity Initiative, which is an organization made up of over 800 hardware and software manufacturers, and they've created the first ever technical standard that is designed to assure a photo's provenance, its reality. A photo's provenance refers to a piece of digital content's facts regarding its origins, and until now it hasn't been something that is recorded when a photograph is made. But Nikon and Leica have changed that, and they're starting to add that technical standard into their cameras so that truth, whatever truth may be, can be affirmed from the very second a photograph is captured. This is certainly an interesting development, but whether or not it has any legs, I really wait to see. I think a lot of us know that the issues with the photographic image are not in the moment they're made, but is what's done to them after they exist. I saw a tweet recently. It was by somebody who claimed that friends and family kind of got in the way of their photography. They took up time. It really made me ask myself the question, just how selfish are photographers? Um, But is that a good thing? Does a photographer have to be selfish about their work? I'm very aware, as a divorced man, I have to say that uh, work can certainly take over a lot of your life and it can be detrimental to the relationships that you have. But I'd also argue that those relationships, the friends you make, the family that surround you are essential to build a foundation for your practice. And hopefully you understand the support that they give you and they can understand your relationship with photography. But photography mustn't become an addiction whereby it becomes the be all and end all of your very existence. 
I've often spoken to people in the past about the sort of dangers, I suppose, of allowing whatever it is you do, your profession, your career, to define you as a person. Why that becomes a problem is that certainly if you're employed, the moment that you may lose that job, you're in danger that your identity goes with it. This can lead to real problems around mental health. As a photographer, surely the friends and the family around us not only support us in our practice, but they give us ideas. They give us a kind of grounding in where we are and what we should be doing. I was speaking recently to a very successful um, photographer, an award-winning photographer who um, is recognised globally for his work. And we were talking about the pressures that come with that work and the pressures that come with success. He was explaining to me that actually it was a trap. You don't want to fall into that trap of success and starting to believe the hype. Well, as we all know, the people who can speak to us most honestly about our work and our behaviour and how we're working are our friends and family. They're the people who should be able to tell us the truth. So I was slightly concerned and actually made rather sad by that comment that somebody felt that those were the very people getting in their way. I think if you feel like that, or if you've ever felt like that, or you find yourself leaning towards that kind of understanding, you really need to either choose some new friends or reconnect with your family. At this point in the podcast, I've got to say sorry. An apology is incoming. Last week, I introduced the uh, episode with a series of quotes, and I ridiculously suggested that Terry Pratchett wrote The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which, as we all know, was written by Douglas Adams. My apologies. I can only put it down... Not to bad research, as I knew that, I didn't need to research it, but down to a sort of post-COVID brain fog. Anyway, for any of you who spotted that, my apologies. If you didn't spot it, well, I've put the uh, record straight. And for those of you that enjoy The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, don't forget that the true answer is 42. As regular listeners will know, this podcast doesn't exist in isolation. The Twitter account at UN of Photo is uh, always rigorous with its discussions, debates and the retweeting of interesting stuff. So you can always find us there also if you're on Twitter. But the United Nations of Photography.com, I think, is a great resource for anybody who wants to read a lot of short articles about photography. And I try to write two or three short articles. And when I say short, I mean really short, just little five minute reads, I suppose, little think pieces. And I try to write two or three a week, um, I suppose, really in a response to what I'm thinking, what I'm seeing, the conversations that I'm having with people to keep things relevant, um, but also to share those thoughts with you. Very rarely do I come to any specific conclusion. It's really a more kind of questioning myself. Anyway, over the last week, um, there are three articles that I've put up there, which I wanted to just point you in the direction of. One uh, titled In Praise of Difference, Photography and Neurodivergence. Might sound a bit boring, but I think it's pretty relevant, really. Uh, A lot of photographers uh, have uh, dyslexia, 
or ADHD or similar kind of things. And uh, that's neurodivergence. So you might find that interesting. Another one, breathe before you press the button and don't forget to bend your knees. Uh, might be interesting to some of you thinking about how you actually capture work and the process of making a photograph. And another one, the long form edit, rediscovering the dismissed image, deals with that idea of going back into the archive and discovering work that you may have forgotten. Don't forget also, if you want to keep up to date with all of the articles that go up there and also dip into the archive with some recommendations from old staff, you can join up to our newsletter through uh, the UNF photo at the top of the Twitter page. There's a little click on panel there and you'll get the newsletter every Wednesday morning telling you that this podcast is up and ready for you. And also, as I say, giving you uh, links to the most recent articles that have been posted and a little selection of stuff from the archive. More than enough, I think, to keep you busy this winter. I started recording this episode whilst the uh, rain was uh, thundering down on the shed roof. You may have heard it pattering away in the background. Now, as we're moving to the end of the recording, the rain has stopped and it's a little bit clearer outside. Certainly going to be clearer outside next week for Bill Shapiro, who, of course, is in New Mexico and doesn't have to suffer the kind of issues with uh, inclement weather that I have to uh, in the shed or around the shed, at least. So that's uh, the reminder that next week, Bill Shapiro and I will be engaging in the conversation, the monthly conversation we have dealing with different aspects around photography. It's a linked conversation. So if you haven't already caught up with this, go back to some of the previous episodes. We've done two so far to see and to hear and to feel how we address photography and how informal our conversation is. It's not just two men uh, chatting and shooting the breeze, however. We talk to people in the industry and we bring in their comments also to try and inform us in our conversation and hopefully you in your listening. Next episode, we're going to be dealing with photo books. And I think that may take a few months for us to even begin to get to the bottom of. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this particular episode. I've had my latest COVID uh, shot and I'm going to take care. Hope you do too.